0: Ho oh, ho lots and lots of spoilers Hello everybody. I am the Lizard King. I can do anything. I'm a backdoor man and please won't you light my fire? Oh dear Ah, yes, the (laughs) pulse-pounding, throbbing appeal of Jim Morrison, completely and perfectly recreated for you folks here this week. No, not me, but in Oliver Stone's The Doors. Or was it? Maybe mine was better. And maybe pumpkins (laughs) fly with the magic of Doug Henning. It's an illusion.
1: Only if you're in a really sincere pumpkin patch.
0: Uh, uh, Huh? Oh, wow, <laughs> major <laughs> cross-referencing there. Okay, yep, yep. welcome to this week's entry in the series, Semi-Real People, the Biopic Story. An entry in what and who, you might ask? Glad you did. Right over there, captain of the Crystal Ship of Love is Matador Max Levine. Ariba. Which makes as much sense as a lot of other things. <clears throat> and I, I am the seven-mile snake, the fang of forecasting, M-something Mike Luce. Together, we are M- Max and Mike. Yep. We need a better band name.
1: Yeah, we do. We
0: need a band. <clears throat> uh, we'll get back to The Doors in a moment, but first, we'd like to read out the answers to last week's poll question.
1: And that we is, asked, what is your favorite poll?
0: Wrong. We wrong. asked, what movie would you like to see remade, and if possible, why? We got a couple answers here. Actually, we got Three. First up, we got the Wheeze, who the says Wheeze. that among other things, he'd really like to see a good version of Green Lantern. <laughs>
1: who wouldn't? That's not a yeah. That's a good point. Which I mean, I'm, be- I thought they were thinking of doing that, uh, you know, in in this new DC Extended Universe thingy, that they were just going to go Ryan Reynolds, who's that, and uh, start over. But I haven't actually heard anything.
0: Yeah, but I think this Green Lantern gets his powers through heroin or something, you know. It has to be <laughs> ah. dark and gritty and it's like Bad Darkest Name by Oh carcass Knight. Oh, uh, oh think you're yeah, of white, Green Lantern, there's the train, lantern. there's the train I don't know what that means.
1: <laughs> uh, uh. I think that's more white line lantern.
0: <laughs> Having never seen Heroin, I don't even know what color it is I Whatever. Anyway, he also suggests Quote, I've always felt that the Harry Potter movies, although they had a great Fan following and made Midnight movies a staple Of the aughts, were a little Shallow and didn't fully embrace the small nuances And spectacles of the Harry Potter World. Hmm. They felt rushed I would love to see it remade, but as an HBO series, which to me sounds like it means to be an adult series, which it's a kid. Well, anyway, I know Harry
1: Potter after dark.
0: <laughs> that's not your wand, Harry, Anyway, uh, which is, I apparently- think that,
1: that's actually a, a really good point. I think that's a good idea. If Well, my, my, movies, my problem with the movies were if you've read the books, it's just, it's just annoying how much they leave out. And I think if you haven't read the books, the movies don't make much sense.
0: Well, he claims that it's apparently rumored to be in the planning stages in mm. which each book can be its own season, end quote. I think it's, it's a great a, suggestion, and why yeah. not? That that franchise, man, they haven't made enough money yet. Um, I'm still hoping for the absolutely delicious animals and how to bake them, number three or four or whatever <laughs> we're up to. Because I literally forgot the entire plot of the last movie.
1: It was not a that. plot?
0: I think that's the one I went to see, and I just started laughing through the film because I literally had no idea what happened in the first and then the previous (laughs)
1: film, and Uh, then
0: realized that it didn't matter. Okay. Nope, really didn't. Next up is Val. Val. Uh, who is not at all related to me. She suggests, <laughs> quote, if it could be done in a more traditional method of filmmaking, she means in this case, not with CG aplenty or whatever, it might be fun to see a remake of The Maltese Falcon or even The Big Sleep. She says a co-worker of hers who may or may not be a listener suggested Some Like It Hot. <laughs> whoo None of those uh, choices would be controversial.
1: <laughs> some Like It Hot would be a little problematic, but uh, well, I don't know. The Maltese Falcon, it's when you have those classics, it's it's hard to picture, the big sleep. I don't know that. Just some of the, those movies are so iconic.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I well, mean, they did that with Sabrina, which is a, a, a um, Humphrey Bogart film that they remade it with yeah. Harrison Ford, and it was it, it was in focus.
1: Yeah, I remember it. Being it was in focus. Un, It was utterly un. Unne- it's not like it was bad. It was just utterly unnecessary.
0: Well, one of the things that didn't work was, let's face it, as much charisma as he had. Humphrey was not the handsomest man in the world.
1: No, he was not traditionally good looking.
0: And Harrison Ford is perfectly good looking. So, Mm, anyway, so anyway, thanks for that answer. And uh, last up is Vince. Hello, Canada. He says, "Good day." <laughs> oh, good day. Yeah. Ten years ago or more, I had a ton of ideas. I wanted to be involved in a remake of the TV show Dark Shadows, UFO, and/or Babylon Five, and thought that was a good time for a remake of the Davy vs. The still or Godzilla as well. Uh, After seeing some of that happen, wow, <laughs> seems like a mistake. Yeah. That said, I love silent films, and since they are almost unseen these days, and many are in such bad shape, they seem perfect fodder for remakes. Uh, a film called Pandara's Box, which I have not seen, for example, or take the plot of one of the lost silent films and bring it back to life, which I think is an interesting suggestion. Uh, the mm-hmm. work of uh, Melies is basically untouched. Somebody did a uh, From the Earth to the Moon a while back, but I, I, Melies, most of his films were lost. But I think in some cases, the ones that actually have plots and don't just sit on silent slapstick, like the Keystone Cops, like, why, why would you bother? Mm-hmm. there's a possibility mm-hmm.
1: maybe it'd be really tricky I mean it would be a completely different movie with uh, with sound it'd be le- less a remake and more of a complete recreation but uh, and, and a lot of them the problem is some of them are kind of problematic like you know if you wanted to do one of the Valentino ones of the Sheik of Araby or some such or, or Birth you know, of a Nation oh <laughs> lord
0: <laughs>
1: look it yeah. up folks I you know I but yeah that's they, a, that's a really interesting idea. Well, well they did the Nosferatu
0: that? film with um, Klaus Kinski. Well, Klaus that's Kinski, right. yeah. So which yeah. was yeah. So who knows?
1: I, that um, was, it was actually Alex? really good. It's that one. That's one of the only Dracula movies that I actually thought was scary.
0: Hmm. Well, of course, you know Klaus Kinski, who is yeah. by definition scary.
1: Yeah, he's got that sort of Willem Dafoe thing where he's scarier looking without the makeup.
0: Yeah, stop him before he kinskis again uh, <laughs> do you have any films that you would like to see remade
1: I don't know I'm not a big fan of remakes in general I like I like when they try to do something original I do have to say I like the idea of redoing the Green Lantern film as now well DC showed a brief moment where that we thought they could do good movies and now they're kind of you know kicking that out to the curb
0: well they um, look, are they're um, making them longer.
1: I'm looking at you, Wonder Woman, 1984.
0: Yeah, luckily I didn't have to, because you did for me.
1: I did. Oh boy. But uh, yeah, I, I, I actually don't really have one because again, I'm not a big fan of the idea of the remake. I like the uh, the original films. Uh, what about you? You got what, what film you think could uh, be remade?
0: Um, all of the Star Wars prequels.
1: <laughs> That's fair.
0: All of them. Yep. And I'd yep. like somebody like the current. Um, crew on The Mandalorian who can tell a story and could actually give us a good reason why Anakin Skywalker turns into Darth Vader as opposed to the, I'm sad, I'm angry, okay, I'm going to kill everyone, whatever. Uh, And by Mm -hmm. the way, isn't it weird, I just saw this pointed out on a Facebook thing this week, uh, that to prove once again that George did not have the whole series (laughs) written out ahead of time, that scene in the beginning of the original Star Wars where Obi-Wan hands Luke... The lightsaber that killed thirty children and said, "Your father wanted you to have this." When oh you were- wow!
1: Yeah, I never thought of that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yes. It ha- here. It, it, it every lightsaber has a name. This is Child Killer. Yeah. Yikes! So, oh but, God.
0: <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't. Um, yeah. I, whatever. I, there's probably films. If I thought really hard, I'd say this was a really good idea. I wish somebody competent had made it. Um, you know, barbed wire. <laughs>
1: Oh, come on. (laughs) No one needed to make that film.
0: You know, I think a film that really could benefit from another look. Uh Rogue Warfare 3.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think they're going to handle that in Rogue Warfare 4. And then, of course, the entire Rogue Warfare series will be rebooted.
0: By the way, I think Fast and the Furious is literally going into space.
1: I I think so. And and, uh, they're bringing Helen Mirren. Okay. (laughs) Helen Mirren apparently is in Fast, the ninth of this series.
0: I am really sorry to hear. Anyway, we're we're getting so far off off
1: top. Dame uh, Helen, I hope they backed a lorry full of dosh up to your house. See, I speak English.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Real well, or goodly. So uh, uh, we have a new poll question for this week. Mm -hmm. Which actor's presence in a film makes it a certainty that you will not be seeing that film?
1: Or conversely.
0: hmm?
1: Yeah, like, you know, is there an uh, act when you're watching a movie preview and you go, hey, this looks pretty interesting. And then you see featuring and you go, nope. Yep.
0: Or conversely, is there an actor whose presence means you have to see that film? Like, is that still a thing? Uh, Please let us know in the usual ways and we'll use your answers on next week's show. We will go over this at the end of the show. So you remember how to contact us. And thankfully, everyone's been doing it properly, which I appreciate. Yep. Thank you. We have this film called The Doors. The Doors. The Doors, yeah, oh, The Doors. Uh, and we have some trivia, which comes up now. The show trivia.
1: Still waiting.
0: <laughs> it's coming. Ah. <laughs> I need a pause. <laughs> Budget thirty-two million. Take thirty-four million. So it made back oh. its money. Everything's fine. Everyone's happy.
1: <laughs> no wonder there wasn't The Doors two. <laughs> I. Don't there, think there I don't know? Could
0: be, uh, yeah.
1: Zombie Jim Morrison.
0: This probably doesn't come as a surprise, but if it does, Val Kilmer did most of his singing in the movie. It was so dead on. The surviving members of the Doors often couldn't tell the two apart. The oh. way you can generally tell is that the close-ups of Kilmer as Morrison use his voice; shots further away use Morrison's. Ray Manzarek, who's the keyboard player, is not a fan and claims that the movie is not a good depiction of the band's history. Robbie Krieger, the guitarist and writer of Light My Fire, did give his consent, especially if it was shown that it was he who wrote the song and not Morrison. Uh, drummer, Drummer John Densmore was also in on the project.
1: Billy And and rounds out the cast.
0: (laughs) Yes, and the rest. Billy Idol, utterly unrecognizable as someone (laughs) Uh, called Cat, was in a motorcycle accident prior to shooting, which is why he appears most of the time with real-life crutches. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit more method acting. Uh, Kilmer spent a year wandering around in Morrison's clothes. I didn't find Uh, out if that was his actual clothes or just the style going to places he frequented and then, after shooting, had to seek psychiatric help to get the part of Jim out of his psyche.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's freaky. I did not know this. Mr. Ro- Mojo Risen, this is a, a, a term oh, used yeah. very often in uh, rock and roll songs, is an anagram
1: of Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that from some, dude, did you know that Mr. Mojo Ryzen is an anagram, I remember that from some drunken college conversation.
0: I think everyone does. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: apparently the scene chosen for women to audition for the movie was one of the more graphic sex scenes. Oh dear. And people have come out and said that Oliver Stone said, yeah, so this scene where you're naked and having to do very, yeah, that's what I want you to do as an audition.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That's why everyone loves Ollie.
0: Uh, this is a, a big contrast to the last film that Meg Ryan and Val Kilmer in. Do you know what that <laughs> film was?
1: Oh wait. Meg Ryan and Val Kilmer. No, I don't. Top Gun. <laughs> oh, that's right.
0: This is very I always forget Gunner. she was
1: Goose's wife, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's it they're in the movie. I don't I am pretty sure they're not in any scenes together. Yeah, that's probably true.
0: Uh, interestingly, this came out the same year as another uh, Oliver Stone film. Do you remember which film also came out this year?
1: 91? Was that JFK? It was. Uh, Um, Wow, there's a contrast.
0: Although that film was a little bit more back and to the left. (laughs) Yes. Is
1: it it too soon? (laughs) It's too soon. soon. Okay.
0: The car accident involving Native Americans, that appears at the beginning of the film, is something that Morrison himself recounted as having happened when he was a small child. Supposedly, a spirit of one of the victims entered him at the time. The Morrison family, however, Perfect. claims that there never was such a bloody car wrecked. It was literally just a fender bender, and nobody recalls anything that Jim talks about in that respect. Ah. Uh, yeah.
1: But he did okay. like to tell
0: that story. They didn't, they didn't know that. He loved to tell that story. Okay. Um, so guess what role of, of Val Kilmer's got Oliver Stone's attention and said, ah, that's the guy I want to reach out and get to play Jim Morrison. Guess which film?
1: Uh, Top Secret.
0: Willow. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: dear, really?
0: Mad Mardigan, that's yeah. my Jim Morrison.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Both known for their mad sword skills, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, though it's true that Ed Sullivan's people did ask that the lyric of Girl, we couldn't get much higher be changed, and it is true that Morrison did sing the lyric as written... He didn't emphasize it. He didn't stick his face in the camera. They just sung it as originally recorded. And it's been reported both ways. Uh, one was that Morrison was actually really nervous and forgot. It's Ooh. also been recorded that they all decided as a band that they weren't going to change it. So
1: I, I always like the story of Afterwards, which I thought was in the movie but isn't. No. When the executive producer is screaming at him, You'll never do the Ed Sullivan show again! And Morrison just looked at him and said, Man, we just did the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah that is true that's what I have
0: for for, uh, trivia there's probably tons and tons more especially who could have played him besides I don't care Uh, Max do you know any uh, trivia about the movie Uh,
1: I do I do know that uh, some people objected to the uh, the the portrayal of Jim Morrison as basically a a drunken borderline narcissist psychopath they said he was actually very funny and very warm and could be very nice it was the thing is, as he sank deeper and deeper into various substances, he got harder and harder to deal with.
0: Yeah, we'll get it, to that.
1: It is uncanny how much Val Kilmer looks like him in this movie.
0: And we'll get to that, too. But uh, let's move on to the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I can't resist. You knew this was coming. Maybe a few people in the audience knew this was coming. I could make this very easy and just quote Dennis Leary and say, I'm drunk, I'm no one. I'm drunk, I'm famous. I'm drunk, I'm dead.
1: But... <laughs> that was him, his sum up of Jim Morrison. You know? Yeah.
0: For those unfamiliar with the movie, it goes something
1: like this.
0: New Mexico, 1949. A young Jim Morrison is driving to a new home with his family and they witness a terrible car accident involving a truck of Native Americans, some of whom lie dead at the side of the road. Or was it? Next it's 1964 in Venice Beach. Slightly less young Morrison follows fellow film student Ray Manzarek on the sands and confesses that he's written some songs. Impressed, Ray brings Jim to meet his friends Robbie and John. They rather quickly form a little band called The Doors. Through Morrison's sultry, sexy personality, the band quickly rises to fame, being discovered in the clubs of The Strip. From there it's a whirlwind tour of fame through the lens of a whiskey bottle and acid. The band exists for only four years, with Morrison, barely managing to keep ahead of Jim's drunken, drugged outbursts. The only one who seems to understand him, tolerate him, leave and come back to him is Pam, his muse. Oh, and there's another woman named Patricia. That, and some groupies. And well, well, there was this summer of love. Finally, after being arrested on stage for lewd and drunken behavior, Jim takes a break to go live in France with Pam, perhaps to get his head together perhaps not there he dies under still unknown circumstances the lizard king has ascended and we are left morrisonless <laughs> this is the end my friend meet me in the back of the blue bus The down and now onto the notes
1: this is this is the beginning <laughs> the beginning of the podcast the beginning <laughs> the beginning, <of> the beginning. <laughs>
0: Uh, to, to sort of piggyback on what you were talking about uh, with Morrison, yeah, one of the biggest uh, objections was that we never see the smart Morrison, the well-read, because he was exceedingly well-read. Um, apparently there was one college professor, I believe, who was like looking at one of his book reports and like, uh, no. I don't believe these books exist. They actually knew somebody who was going or had been to the uh, Library of Congress and looked them up because there were these weird, like fourteenth or fifteenth century books on um, Wicca or or mm-hmm. you know alternative religions, and found that they did exist. And oh,
1: wow. because of
0: the level of writing, they're like, I guess he read them. <laughs> um, also, funny. I watched. Doing a little research, I watched a Live at the Hollywood Bowl in 1968 concert, which is available on YouTube. You can go watch it. And in the opening song, uh, which is When the Music's Over, there's a long silence, and then Morrison just walks up to the microphone and burps. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hilarious. He laughs. The audience laughs. It's really just funny. Uh. And it's like... I'm going to agree with that, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that too, but it seems there was a lot more to Morrison than we saw. That being said, I don't necessarily believe that the depiction is wrong
1: well, of a that lot,
0: part of his life.
1: A lot of those aspects, the stuff he was doing in public, that, that's that been reported on. The The whole standing on the car in front of the crowd and screaming, I am the Lizard King, I can do anything. Right. That That's real, apparently, and... He yeah. did set his house on fire. He uh,
0: that they uh, that was listed as one of the events that was not corroborated.
1: I well, maybe it wasn't the uh, the closet with his what with his girlfriend in it, but right. apparently he did end up burning a house down.
0: Um, Yeah, what I found out was that the violent outbursts as depicted in the film were apparently all fabricated, though everyone concerned agreed that Jim could have his moments. Uh, Those particular to the film, such as locking his girlfriend in the closet and setting on fire, brandishing a knife at her during a Thanksgiving celebration, and throwing a TV set at his bandmates during a recording session, those were all made up for the movie. Uh, Um, So, yeah. Uh, I mean, let's just go ahead and start right off. Val Kilmer, this is his performance. Uh, and there were other people that were originally, this was not his first pick for Morrison. There were other people that wanted to be, John Travolta was one of them.
1: <laughs> he kind of yeah. has
0: the hair, I guess.
1: But, break on through to the other side, my God! <laughs> I can't Where? see that. Just, no. no.
0: No. Um, Tom Cruise, No. <laughs>
1: Well, never mind that, you know, Morrison, one of the things about it was how tall he was. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Oh, dear. Yes, well.
1: Yeah, I know. That's just mean.
0: And how not gay he was. Oh! Oh! Well, we all know that Tom Cruise isn't gay because he told us so.
1: That's right. Actually, I don't
0: even know that there's ever any evidence about that. It was in a song. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I literally don't think there was anybody else ever made to play Morrison as well as Val Kilmer. Yeah, um, especially the singing. Um, I, I knew he sung in this, but I didn't know they used both of them. I can't tell them apart.
1: It's really hard to tell where one stops and the other starts. Yeah. Not to mention, part of that is also because Morrison did perform drunk an awful lot, and his voice, the quality of his voice, could change drastically.
0: Yeah, and especially towards the end of the career, apparently those things were true that he would often be late sometimes missing planes to performances um, or being too drunk to record and stuff. Um, that being said, the dude had charisma. I mean, if you want, if you want a male white definition of the word charisma, that's there you go. Yeah. Cause even just photos of him,
1: <laughs> you could i have seen shots of him on, I've seen like interviews and I've seen him on screen and you cannot not look at him. Yeah. He just is incredibly magnetic.
0: Yeah, Um, Kilmer just does a hands-down amazing job. Um, Even having watched that Live at Hollywood Bowl, the only thing I'll say is that we don't get to see that Morrison. And I read through some of the concerts. It's interesting because there were people who had been to that show or were commenting on it in the YouTube comments. Mm-hmm. And one person said, yeah, it's amazing how well he can do when he's totally whacked out on acid. And one of the other people said, uh, some people were I don't think you can be that good and be whacked out. And somebody says, you can see it start to hit in like one of the last songs. Uh-huh. So he took it before the concert. but and he
1: peaked toward the end, yeah. And
0: that's what they say is he peaks towards the end. <laughs> Here's the other thing that I think is is... Just not really fair. The film's called The Doors. Not fair. It's not about the Doors. It's just not. We learn nothing about the other people. We do learn that um, a really bad wig on Kyle McLaughlin will look like a really bad wig on Kyle McLaughlin.
1: I, you know, I'd seen this movie before. I didn't know. I'd forgotten that was Kyle McLaughlin as Ray Manzarek.
0: Me too. I forgot that uh, Meg Ryan was in this film because talk about not a part. When she first, when I saw her name pop up, I'm like, Meg Ryan? <laughs> does she even drink? I don't think she does. And then she pops up as Pam and I'm like, "Oh, this isn't going to go well." And it's like she actually does fine. I she does she does a great job. Yeah. It, it's
1: good. an inter- it's an interesting contrast I thought to like Sid and Nancy because you see these these two people who are kind of locked in another codependent destructive relationship but they're not awful people. No. You know, they're bo- I don't I never thought that Morrison, I think he Somebody described him as like a big child in the movie. And the way he's portrayed in the movie, he is. He's kind of like a kid. He's really, he's based purely on impulse. But he's not, he's not a bad person. And neither is she. She's just, you know, extremely vulnerable and uh, suggestible, it seems.
0: Well, she also makes the mistake of assuming that somehow Jim Morrison's going to be faithful to
1: her. Well, yeah, yeah I don't. <laughs> yeah, I th- that, that was a mistake.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we get into the the, the woman Patricia. The woman Patricia in the film is a real person, although even Oliver Stone said, yeah, the portrayal is basically, I made her up.
1: Yeah, a a journalist who's also a pagan, uh, Wiccan... That part's true. Ah, okay. The
0: ceremony, that part's true. they drinking
1: human blood or mixing uh, it with cocaine?
0: I don't know about that, but the Wicca ceremony, that apparently was true, and she really didn't like not only her own portrayal, she didn't like the fact that it showed that, um, Morrison wasn't taking it seriously. She claims that he did. He, uh, other people claim that he doesn't remember that much of it, which I could see this either way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it is also likely that if she did get pregnant and I couldn't find this out, uh, if she did get pregnant that he freaked out and was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, um, the people who play the band members, uh, Robbie, John, and, um, uh, Jim,
1: Re- uh, no. not Jim. Uh, Ray. Ray,
0: they're fine, I guess. Although kind of yeah. welcome that wig. No.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Frank Whaley and uh, uh, whoever it was who played John. They're they they do a fine job. Oh, it's Kevin Dillon. Kevin Dillon, that's right. Yeah, yeah. but uh,
0: who suffers from Matt Dillon syndrome in that he never quite makes
1: it in Hollywood. And yep, so close, but didn't really. And he's a
0: decent actor. So is Matt Dillon. It's yeah. Just They never—I don't—I never could understand why Matt Dillon didn't make it to the A-list, but he never did.
1: Yeah, that they're solid B-listers. But I gotta say, maybe I'm just old and cranky. There's part of this movie that makes me feel like an old man, Mm -hmm. and that is listening to Morrison talk and listening to his read his his uh, poetry. All I can think is, you sound like such a pretentious douche (laughs) you sound like half the college sophomore conversations i ever heard when people would get stoned and sit around and basically go how do you know how do i know the color blue is to (laughs) me is the same as it is to you get a
0: crayon box (laughs) (laughs) yeah um our old pal dennis miller yeah and i agree and i actually when i started listening to it because apparently he would ad lib that in concerts it hmm. would be a different poem for those really long songs um my thought was is this a like a direct offshoot of beat poetry and oh, i think it was because it really, seems
1: what one of the things i thought when i hear him reading his poetry is oh my god you want to be Allen ginsburg so bad
0: yeah yeah very much although Allen Ginsberg is problematic in his own special. Oh, Actually, he, all oh, the yeah. beat poets were—they were, they were yeah, all horrible yeah. people.
1: Yeah, they were uh, not nice people. But if you read Howl, mm-hmm. it reads like a Doors song. How? How?
0: How will <laughs> she ever forgive me? Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, that's to me, especially some of the music, even um, because beat music is very improvisational it's sort of jazz based but sometimes it's just sort of what it's all about the moment and the feeling and a lot of morrison's stuff is like that watching the concert too they taught i think i can understand one of the reasons the band is upset as they are because it looks like oh it's a bunch of guys that morrison found that decided to make a band and they just got high all the time and stuff the band's actually really good and when you watch them, especially in concert, it's like, they can't be on anything and be that good. They're, they're improvised. They they're... are. Um, and all three of them, the keyboard player, the guitar player, and the drummer, they're all really good, and they're all really tuned in, not only to each other, but to Jim. So Jim is doing these improv improvised poems and stuff, and they know when to come in, and they yep. know when he's going to start him, singing.
1: Follow him right along, absolutely. And I, that was the thing, I liked how... They show that "Light My Fire." Well, first off, Morrison didn't write the lyrics. No, but it's kind of this collaborative creation, yeah. Where you know, Manzarek is like, "Hang on, hang on, I got to come up with an intro," and he comes up with that utterly memorable, you know, Dam dam. that little keyboard bit I that you were is going to go into Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly.
1: No, it's this, it's this great opening, and it's one of the most recognizable opening licks in rock music. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think up through the third or fourth album, all of the credits on the albums for it the just songs said just the said, said doors. the doors. Yep,
1: Yeah, they didn't start giving individual credit until after for the last two or three albums.
0: There's another at least another one of the really big songs that Robbie wrote the lyrics to as well. And that was one of the his his little things was I'll be involved, but you have to show that I wrote lyrics especially to light my fire. Yeah. Arguably their biggest and best known song.
1: Well, that was the one they did on Ed Sullivan.
0: It was. Ed uh, I, Sullivan. I gotta say, <laughs> This Ed Sullivan is a lot better than the last Ed Sullivan we had.
1: I guess, but he's still so clearly like, you know, I'm an Ed Sullivan impersonator, a really big shoe. Have you ever watched Ed Sullivan? Yes, and he Cause... does look like that. <laughs> Ed Sullivan <laughs> looks like an Ed Sullivan impersonator. It's really he unnerving. He's a but weird guy. He was. He was. Well, apparently he was just a strange guy. I don't know much about him, but... No. I I love him back there talking to them, you know, fellas, you know, how about going out with a big smile there? No, nobody nobody (laughs) wants to see you being sullen. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all just sitting there like this alien has appeared among them.
0: Well, here's a weird thing about Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan had arguably the most recent and most relevant rock acts of his day on his show that yeah. was watched Sunday nights by everybody and I, I'm sure it's other people picking them going you should have these people you should have these people but he had them on there
1: and he did I, he brought the Beatles <laughs> to America he gave us the Rolling Stones yeah. all of these people I will almost I would willing to bet he never listened to a note of their music I'm sure he like when they were playing he'd go backstage and put in earplugs or something.
0: Or are you just like put on a Mitch Miller record, yeah, or yeah. Uh, you know Lawrence Welk.
1: They were right, by the way. They refer to you know when he's asking to change the lyric. Uh, the Rolling Stones had the same thing with uh, "Let's Spend the Night Together," where they asked them, "You know, could you change it to let 'Let's Spend Some Time Together'?" Yeah. And if you ever watch, I, I recommend watching the clip on uh, the Ed Sullivan clip of them singing because every time Mick sings the line. They try to pull the camera back, but you can see him just rolling his eyes. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I know. But let's face it, Mick was very pragmatic. He he was like, yeah, I want to do the Ed Sullivan show because this will make our career. Yeah,
0: and you know that among other things, you know, also writing some decent ditties uh, probably helped. But um, <laughs> there are
1: one or two catchy numbers they did. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, some of the things that the film. Is lacking. Uh, we have no idea where Jim comes from. And mm-hmm. even that's something to be fair that Jim himself tried to propagate. He didn't, he wanted to be mysterious. He claimed his parents had died. This is true. He actually did claim yeah. that. And but there's they that once, there's well, that once they, scene they where did
1: eventually, but
0: not till long after he did. Yeah. Um, he, he divorced himself from his siblings. Um, but, uh, then there's that one scene where the, the journalist, I think it's Patricia, yeah. is like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. Your father's he was, yeah, the, was the naval head of this, and you're, you're, everyone's still alive. And he's just like, don't do that. I don't know if that scene actually ever happened, but the film doesn't make any attempt to explain his upbringing. We literally do that one shot of him looking at the Native Americans who then follow him through the film. <laughs> um, and then he's Jim Morrison. So we don't yeah, know where he I comes don't... from.
1: I don't see that as a weakness of the film. I think that's part of what the po- the point they were trying to make is that Morrison was created himself in effect. He just created himself out of whole cloth and that may be one of the re- one of his weaknesses. That's one of the maybe the reason he died at the age of 27. Yeah, well, I mean, my god, he was a kid.
0: The weird thing is is that's a big club. Right? That was yeah. a thing. So Janice Joplin died at twenty seven. Jim, he Jimmy, died at twenty seven. Jimmy Eventually, Hendrix John- died young. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix died at twenty-seven. Jean-Michel Basquiat would die at twenty-seven. Like that age is like a thing. Uh-huh. Uh Pam would die at twenty. 20- no, she wouldn't. She, no, would. she, she died three years later.
1: Yeah, she outlived him by three whole years. Yeah, she died yeah. the
0: well, okay. So that's the thing. Uh the his death, and that was something that that Pam's parents insisted upon, that there was no way they could shed any light on her having been involved in any way, shape, or form with jim morrison's death now it turns out there was no autopsy done because french law doesn't require one yep so they just put him in a box and said he's dead
1: yeah nobody really knows i mean they said it was heart failure
0: right Uh, the likelihood is that it was an overdose of heroin which he hadn't been into and there's one scene in the film near the end where he's like, "Hey, could you get me some?" Yeah. And I think it's even Pam saying, "No, we're not going that route. You're not getting it."
1: No, no, that was the other. That was one of the other guys. That was their uh, producer. Uh, the, sorry, the band manager. He said, "No, I'm not going to get okay. you that." Um, no, stick with good, healthy cocaine.
0: Well, he, it, that wasn't even a thing. The big thing for Morrison apparently was booze. Yeah, he was a that big acid. drinker. I bet those two things go together. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the milk and Pepsi of yeah. drugs, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't understand how they work, but my just thought was, you don't need anything else if you're on acid, you know, but whatever. Um, that was the whole thing. That was It was the thing of the late 60s. It was the new drug on the block.
1: Yeah, um, and it was, was trying it. It was the big counterculture drug. It was supposed to be, you know, every, everyone, they even refer to it. That's part of where the name of the band came from. Everyone was reading Aldous goddamn Huxley's Doors of Perception,
0: well, yeah, but except that he was even from. quoting it from uh, William Blake. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, yeah.
0: Which does seem like, if you've ever looked at the art of William Blake, that looks very much like stuff that would suddenly become popular in the late 60s. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but Doors <laughs> um, of Perception's all about, you know, altering levels of perception. And there's a whole section in there about hallucinogens. And I read that. I got to say, Huxley makes it sound really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I've had had some I had some friends who've had acid once or twice, and they luckily were not some of the people who had bad trips, and they enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know anybody who's still doing it. This was you know way back in the eighties. I've never had it. I don't even know what it looks like. Is it, is it even? Is it a color? I don't even know.
1: It can look like all sorts of things. Uh, most famous is blotter acid, which looks basically like thick paper. There oh. was uh, windowpane acid, which are these little sort of clear gelatin tabs.
0: Windowpane.
1: Yeah, there's all kinds. Yeah, it uh, can be, you know, liquid, it can be solid. I've mm. never taken it either. Uh, I, I could never quite explain it except uh, when I read when I was reading about it in BioPsych and I saw the parts of the brain it affects. It's like, "Um, no.
0: I'm going to need those."
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, those are way too and, and then I read somewhere, it was a great quote, I think it was in a web comic where someone said, "No, I know my subconscious, and I don't want to give it unfettered access to my audiovisual cortex. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, that, yeah, that's some, for me, that sums it up perfectly.
0: Yeah. I want Not to say one of the things, one of the things that I thought was very well portrayed in this film was San Francisco, the Haight-Ashbury area. This footage that's supposed to be of him taking, like, home movie footage it felt very real to me, because I've seen some footage of the, the Summer of Love and uh, later on of Woodstock and stuff like that, and yeah, pretty much.
1: <laughs> yeah, even the stuff when he's filming around Venice Beach, yeah. that gave a real you know, <laughs> California in the 60s.
0: Well, you know the funny thing about Venice Beach, because I've been there, it still looks like
1: that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Oh, kinda. that's nice.
0: Yeah, uh, this sold, there's a lot more graffiti than there was in as depicted there. But now, of course, uh, I can't remember if if weed is legal fully in California yet or not. But when I, I was forget. there, it was just medicinal. So there's all these medicinal weed shops, <laughs> yep. you know, and right next to the oh no, this is just smoking paraphernalia. It's for decoration next to those shops.
1: Right next to the cupcake shop. Yeah. <laughs> If I you're still, smart. I shout out to I, I probably you heard about this when they legalized weed in Colorado. This girl scout set up her cookie uh, stand <laughs> right outside a dispensary and I'm like that kid is going to be the next Rockefeller. That kid is a genius.
0: Well, you realize that they don't actually make personal money from the cookies. I know, candy. I know,
1: but <laughs> someone with that kind of business sense Oh, the Girl Scouts will not be able to contain her. She will She will have a uh, corporate Titan one day. See, I used to
0: like there was a, a, a Girl Scout every year in Harvard Square who just ordered as much as she possibly could and then set up a table in front of the tea f- the entrance, which is the subway, in Harvard Square. And it's like, oh, who wouldn't hand a couple of bucks to a Girl Scout on the way to the T for a box of cookies? Heck yeah, you might be stuck in that red line train for an hour. You want something to eat.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> you never know how long, how long you'll be there without food
0: oh and i used to, i worked in harvard square so i i'd just be out and about and say like, oh yeah i want gr- heck yeah give me girl scout cookies <laughs> and it's like i still to this day don't know why they're not in supermarkets because i would issue every other brand because i like the girl scouts they're very inclusive and they're very forward-thinking heck i would buy girl scout co- cookies every week
1: and they're good cookies
0: <laughs> yeah which has nothing to do with the doors but
1: nothing <laughs> but i um, bet the doors liked cookies also
0: <laughs> yeah Um, So all of the performances we see of The Doors are somewhat problematic. Um, Something happens. Uh, the Whiskey A Go Go show in the beginning, Jim goes a little too far. Everyone reacts badly, and they're basically kicked out. Of course, mm. that's when they get picked up. Turns out they actually got picked up before they got kicked out of the Whiskey A Go Go. But whatever, uh, like that's so minor, it doesn't even matter. That's just that's one of those tweaks to a story that is like, eh, it makes a better narrative. It's fine. It that's it, not like, oh, if they depicted it the real way, we would have understood the true Juke now. Um. There's some great crowd scenes with some guest appearances that I was like, "Is that who I think it is?" Do you know who I'm thinking of?
1: Paul Williams? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Andy Warhol's PR guy is played by Mr. Rainbow Connection himself, Paul Williams.
0: Now, to be fair, Paul Williams wrote a lot of hit songs.
1: Oh, yeah, a lot he was incredibly Most successful. of which
0: he didn't sing, which is a good
1: thing. And he but was the voice of the penguin on Batman, the Animated series.
0: Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> which gives you immediate cred with us oh yeah um, then we go to Crispin Glover as
1: now, I got now I gotta say I thought that was really good casting because it's like hmm we have to portray one of the weirdest people in American history let's get one of the weirdest actors in American history
0: the problem is he doesn't do a very good job of Andy Warhol
1: no he doesn't um, seem at all like any of the stuff and because we know what Andy Warhol looked and sounded like because right. God knows there are enough interviews with him
0: and he, one of the things they show him is like licking his lips like he wants to get in bed with Jim Morrison. Andy Warhol was not like that at all i'm not saying he didn't have sex but he was not leering and he was very shy about that aspect of his personality it's not that he didn't say he was it's just that he was not known for lusting after people he was uh actually came off as very shy and and hard to approach also exceedingly hard to interview because <laughs> mostly he'd just be sort of staring behind his sunglasses and then ask you a totally unrelated question so whatever um, we get to see nico i i don't remember who played nico uh and the velvet underground shows up there we get a little velvet underground music in the background which is cool because of course they're all part of that whole scene um I'm trying to think who else did we get in there um
1: that's
0: okay. again billy i don't if you don't know he's playing that character because i knew he was in the film yeah and I, it's like who's cat um and i found out after the end the film it's like oh that was billy you will not recognize him no so it's i don't really, even know why really he's hard. there
1: and I, uh, I like little things like the fact that it, one of their uh, their shows, the one that like Jim is really super late for, th- th- that's Barry McGuire, or it's supposed to be Barry McGuire, and his band out there singing Eve of Destruction.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I'm like, um, wow, Barry McGuire opening for the doors. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, it a- could have been worse. It could have been the new New Christine Instrument. <laughs>
1: I still like the uh, the agent who at the beginning of the movie is trying to convince them that they should do songs like Herman's Hermits. You know, come on, you know, Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely door. That's what people want to hear.
0: Yeah, mm, yeah. Doors, do it? No. I and, never could figure out. It's like, I didn't know this. and I don't know why I didn't know this. But the one album I have of theirs is the first album, The Doors. The Doors. Um, and it's got this song on it. And I'm like, what? This just doesn't sound like Morrison. Why is this here? This sounds like some weird German expressionistic. Oh, it is. <laughs> it Kurt Vile. Oh, oh, uh, they'd
1: show <laughs> me the way to the next whiskey bar. Yeah, which also like... gets really creepy if you listen to the all the way through because at the end it's show me the way to the next little girl.
0: Well, and of course with Morrison having this thing for lots and lots of whiskey, uh, that's yeah, whatever.
1: Oh yeah, now that's a weird one. And know? then
0: we have this press conference. And Jim finds someone even freakier than he is, which is this made-up uh, Pamela K- Keneally, I think her name is. Or Patricia Keneally. Um,
1: I thought you said she was a real person. She is, but in the film, the oh, way she's just, depicted... Yeah. There was another character who I'm like, you sound like a college student who just read her first book on neo-paganism. Yeah. Because all of that stuff she's spouting is, again... I, I don't know if it's fair because this is the '60s. This is when it was in effect. A lot of people were discovering it, but they weren't the first to discover it. She's throwing around uh, quotes from uh, the Golden Bow and the Secret Order of the Golden Dawn, and that's way back.
0: And Harry Potter and the yeah. mm-hmm. Prisoner of Azkaban, and yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, I was waiting. yeah, at one point in there you're waiting for just one of the two of them chasing each other around the the bedroom. I kept waiting for someone to yell, of
0: cadavra! <laughs> <laughs> and see this is why I kept feeling like the beat poetry thing, although I like there's never a connection made. I'm sitting there going, There has to be because that's exactly the kind of stuff he's doing on stage. Um and that's, you know, the whole let's walk away from the expected from the the establishment and you know what's out there man it's all about the looking inside to look outward man and you know it it all just seemed to fit to me um and like you said a lot of times when we get to college we suddenly realize hey there's a world outside like the 711 there's 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 actually <laughs> stuff out there people have thought about wow um, it it's tough though,
1: and, and again, it's very hard to judge this objectively because now, so much of it sounds silly. A lot yeah. of that, you know, yeah, man, doors of perception, man. Back then, for a lot of people, it, it was revelatory. It really yeah. was powerful and effective, and it, it changed a lot of the way they thought. Except so much of it, and this is one of the difficulties that people have argued about the whole hippie movement. A lot of it was very prepackaged. A lot yeah. of it was very Madison Ave—the clothes, the the style, the music.
0: Well, and the stuff that well, it even necessarily wasn't prepackaged. It became prepackaged. Mm. Like they're like, how do we sell to these kids? I know we just sell them what they're already buying, but we make it, which is and the, all of that stuff. Like it started showing. Like they even show a point where it turns out that they've sold "Light My Fire" to a, yeah. to a Oldsmobile commercial. I or couldn't
1: whatever. believe that a car commercial doing a "Light My Fire." To me, the worst of those was only, it wasn't that long ago, was turning on and seeing a Mercedes-Benz commercial with Janis Joplin singing, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? <sighs> I'm sorry, just something died in me at that moment.
0: I've been in the supermarket and they're playing the Ramones. I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? No! No! <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, do I want uh, Chuck? Do I want a London broil? Uh, You know, beat on the bread, beat on the... Really? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I think that there's... It's a very... Bacchanalistic depiction of the 60s. Because every concert that The Doors is shown having in this film, there's much less clothing than i think was actually at a lot of these concerts especially Mm. the one in miami 1969 where they're like all right we're gonna arrest you on stage because you showed your genitalia i don't know if you were paying attention but it is plainly obvious that what we see is val kilmer's hand yeah it's not actually genitalia and
1: the guys in the in the band said in the real band said no he never did he didn't flash them he just tried to make it look that way also, he did not have the distinction of being the first uh, uh, artist to be arrested for obscenity on stage. That honor went to Lenny Bruce.
0: But he wasn't a singer.
1: No. <laughs>
0: I think like pretty much every performance by Lenny Bruce could have been an arrest warrant, couldn't it?
1: Mm, not really. He was careful a lot of the time. He just it, That one, it was one particular word. Yeah, and by the way, if you ever want to see the movie Lenny, which is that would be a good one for the biopic for for this series, except it's so depressing I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> but it, Dustin Hoffman does a really good job as him, and he does a great job recreating the, uh, the 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 routines he did. And he did one after he was arrested where he does a whole routine about the word he said, but without ever using the word. And as he says at the end, "This is the dirtiest show I've ever done, and no one can touch me for it." <laughs> oh.
0: On purpose. Mm. Uh, yeah, that Miami show, nineteen sixty nine. For those who don't know, this is the one where he's really blitzed out of his skull. It's impossible to tell if it was just booze or acid or what. And he is trying to incite the crowd. Um, he doesn't. It's not even poetry. He's just. I. Th- I can't remember if that's the one where he's actually saying. Uh, kill my dad and blank my mom and no no this that thing. was that was
1: the club scene no, sure. this
0: but he's yeah. telling people to do things let's see some of this come up and do that and there's cops on the stage and it just we see that fairly early on the door shows are apparently these horrible Bacchanalia esque things where there's you know orgies going on and there's bonfires <laughs> in the middle of a club <laughs> throwing <laughs>
1: joints onto the stage
0: yeah um All I can tell you is, I obviously have never been to a Doors concert. I would have been three. Uh, (laughs) But the one I watched, the one at the Hollywood Bowl, admittedly it's at the Hollywood Bowl, it's fine. Like, there's none of that. And in fact, Kilmer's performances were way wilder than anything in that show.
1: Yeah, in Um, that show. But apparently he he really was, like, eh, almost animalistic in some of them.
0: But that's the problem. We don't see the shows that aren't like that we and this is you know again this is the the thing that the band members were like this is not the way it was we don't see the actual really smart uh well-read funny morrison we only see the bad side and he couldn't have been drunk all the time or that none of this would have happened i believe that he got worse to a point that he was basically unable to uh, perform or to produce but you know it's kind of unfair, especially when you've got an actor that dedicated and that good. It would have been nice to see some not drunk Morrisons, some some creative what, Morrisons.
1: It would have been nice to see what it was that made so many people love him, not just the not uh, just yeah. not just the, not just the uh, hedonists and the uh, neo bacchanalias. The because yeah. he, he appealed to a lot of people. He They were incredibly successful, and it's not as clear from this why they were.
0: And it's not just his looks. He was a handsome guy, don't get me wrong. There were a Morrison, lot of
1: good-looking guys in rock and roll.
0: But he, he had a thing, and he, I, you don't... And Kilmer really nails it. For somebody who doesn't have that thing he really nails it because you're just watching him and admittedly sadly part of his you're watching to see how out of control he's going to get but even when he's not it's just like you're just sort of hypnotized i was anyway um but uh we have some questions we would like to get to mm. or at least i would like to get to yeah some uh, that we for the, these things so uh what do we know about jim morrison from this movie
1: well, we know some stuff. We, we know he was incredibly self-indulgent. We know he was uh, incredibly charismatic. We know he was immensely pretentious. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we get at least that. Again, we get a, a pretty good impression of a Jim Morrison. I don't know if it's the Jim Morrison or the real Jim Morrison.
0: Yeah.
1: But we do get a real idea, of, I think, we get a real idea of who this character is.
0: We know he's troubled. We don't know why. Mm. Like why? We he starts off an acid and decided this expands his mind. Okay, I get that. But why the booze? Why does he keep? Is it? Is it we don't always least,
1: need that. You don't always need to know what the backstory is far enough back. You want to see who. who this is about who he is. Who? But, who he is now?
0: And that's the thing is that the he is now. The booze was not there in the beginning, or at least not to the extent. What made him? You uh, know, he just did- drinks more and yeah. i don't maybe it is just a case of he just got addicted and that was a thing i don't know the movie doesn't try uh the movie is actually really interesting because it's very much of the films we've watched so far really more about a feeling than it is about facts even more so than the ones we've watched most recently which tended to get away from the facts um and which comes to the next question is how accurate is the depiction
1: Well, we don't really know. We know a lot of the band members didn't think it was that accurate. I think it was accurate on some levels. I think it gave an accurate... I think that's how people saw him. Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of that's... Oliver Stone shows us, yeah, this is the Jim Morrison you want to believe existed. I don't know how accurate it really is about what he was really like. But the thing is, he was around for such a short time. I mean, really, his career was only four years. Yep. You know, these days, that's, you know, this was before that was a lot. Yeah. But.
0: Well, I mean, hell, look at Weird Al. Weird Al's been doing his thing for over 30, which is unheard of. There are so many bands he has parodied that have come and gone. Disappeared.
1: Al's still going. (laughs) Sure. But, I mean, you look at bands that made it 8, 10, 12 years. Of course, there were also the one, you know, God knows how many one-hit wonders. and Sure. You know, Flash in the Pans. But considering how influential he was and how well-known, it's staggering to think he was around for such a short time. And I think this does a decent job of showing you, yeah, this is why. This is what he had that made him burn so bright and for such a short time.
0: What's interesting is when I did a little bit more research, most of the quote-unquote factual stuff, so like this show happened at this time and this is what happened during that show, most of that stuff's actually true. Like you know, him being arrested, him inside uh, getting pepper sprayed. Although it turns out it wasn't Patricia; it was a
1: groupie.
0: Mm. Um, but then you know, and trying to incite the audience against the cops.
1: I got to um, say, I was really impressed. That was not pepper spray. That pepper spray didn't exist oh, in '67. It was mace. Yeah. He got sprayed in the face with mace and still went on and performed. All I can figure is all the drugs gave him some kind of immunity because mace you don't walk away from. Yeah. That is horrifying stuff. That can permanently blind you. There are people who have died from toxic shock from it. Mace is awful. That's why police don't use it anymore. It's illegal.
0: Yeah. The and he just been... shakes it off. <laughs> well, he was the Lizard King. Yeah. He could do anything. Uh, except last to 1972. Oops. <laughs> um, I have only experienced tear gas, so I can't tell anything about that. Um, so I I think that, that it overemphasizes a truthful aspect of Jim Morrison. Yeah. We miss out on a good chunk of what made him who he was. But I think that parts we see are, are true. It's just we're leaving out stuff that makes it untrue by omission. Um, but yeah, the, the period of time, which it again, four years, 66 to six to 70, he moves to, to France in 71. I didn't know this. Two more Doors uh, albums came out without Morrison. Yeah. They, like they tried and they're like,
1: oh, okay, uh, yeah. not really. Yeah, not yeah. so much.
0: Um, do we feel we get to know the subject better after having watched this?
1: We get to know the one we see in the movie. Do yeah. we know the real Jim Morrison? I, I, I don't know. I don't probably not. Does but anyone? I think. But we get to know more. I think we got to know more about him. Sure. I think we know something more than well, I, and- when I first saw it. We certainly. I'd certainly walked out of it knowing more about him than I knew when I walked in.
0: And I don't know if this worked for you, but it did for me. Did the movie make you want to know more about The Doors in general?
1: It kind of did. It made made me want to know, like, what, uh, you know... I know some of their big songs, but what, they put out a, a lot of songs, a fair number of albums, or Fine. some of the ones I don't know as many. You know, I know as much. Yeah. And who was influenced? Who, who claims them as their influence? And there are a lot of people who do. Yeah. yeah Which I did. think is a
0: good mark. If I think if a film makes you curious... Hmm. That's a good mark of a film of a biopic especially
1: yeah did it work um, that way for you?
0: yeah, and I did I went and did a bunch of research i listened to, I actually listened to there was a live tape made at a club called The Matrix that they started at it was one of the strip clubs not i'm not a strip club but a club on the strip and somebody actually recorded one of their live concerts so this is before they were big and it's all there like they do things differently later on, but like there's Light My Fire, and there's, you know, all the songs that would become huge hits are all, and there's nobody in the audience. Nobody. Oh. Huh. So, yeah, it was, it was, so yeah, I think so. Uh, do you think Stone was passing judgment on Morrison? Because I think he actually really lo- loves The Doors.
1: I don't think he was. I think he was more presenting him, because he does, there he does present him There's certain amount, you feel some sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. You know, here's this guy who's just clearly overwhelmed by this life, doesn't know how to handle it, never really grew up. It's hard to tell because Oliver Stone can do many things. Subtle is not one of them. (laughs) He also
0: loves his conspiracy theories. Well, Uh, that's
1: not so much the... Yeah, he is not a subtle man.
0: He may be a Scientologist.
1: I still remember Natural Born Killers, which is a really well-done movie. But I somebody when I walked out, someone turned to me and said, "Well, what'd you think?" I said, "I felt like Oliver Stone was standing in front of me during the entire perform, list, the whole movie, with brass knuckles, with the et- with the entire message of the movie etched on them, and was punching me in the face with them for two and a half hours."
0: <laughs> so, what was the message?
1: Uh, me- media perverts things; bad. Pe- it makes bad people worse. <laughs> I don't know. I've forgotten a lot of it. It was. Uh, it's an interesting movie. I, oddly enough, a lot of it just sort of went out of my head.
0: So apparently, he didn't hit you hard enough.
1: I may have hit me too hard because I think he damaged something.
0: He knocked a little BB out of the duck's eyeball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we are uh, fast approaching that point of the uh, of the show. Uh, do you have any other notes you wanted to get to before we get to the? The Roundup?
1: Yeah, I don't get what the whole thing of going into the desert to take acid is. First off, Hunter S. Thompson did it better, and he did it before. But why? It it seems to be this trope, not just in movies, but in real life. People want to go out in the desert and take acid. That just seems so dumb. Hi, I'm going to take something that messes with my judgment, screws up my perceptions, and I'm going to go into one of the most hostile environments on the planet that can kill me in literal hours and hang out.
0: Could have been worse. They could have done it in Australia.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, well, in Australia, where you're never more than 10 feet from something that can kill you. Yeah, that would have been worse. But so they're going, you know what's out in the desert? Scorpions. Lots of them.
0: Well, let's face it. They're in California. It's right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they oh, want to get oh, lost I, in nature, man. Oh, the one thing I did also want to mention is this was a kind of a waste of a really great performer, and that is Floyd, Floyd Red Crow Westerman, who plays the old Indian who keeps appearing in his visions. Floyd Red Crow Westerman is so cool. He, If you ever see Dances with Wolves, he's Ten Bears, the chief. Okay. It, if you've ever seen a TV show or a movie with a Native American actor, that's him. Mm. He's in everything. And he has this great quiet presence this great quiet charisma and he, he is so cool and i'm just kind of sorry to see him tossed aside and the naked indian on the horse uh which i think his name is west studi that was uh he pl- he plays in a movie i really enjoy mystery men he's the sphinx
0: okay
1: I, you know <laughs> whose superpower is that he's really really mysterious <laughs> that that's all that's all i wanted to bring up
0: Well, let's get to that part where we um, get to that part. Yeah. The Roundup. So, Max. Yeah. Did you see this when it came out?
1: Uh, If I didn't, I saw it when it came out on video.
0: Oh, and um, what did you think of it?
1: When I first saw it, I was blown away. I I thought this is, first off, I was just, I knew more about The Doors back then. I was more into music back then. And I was amazed at how Val Kilmer just became Jim Morrison. I thought it was incredible performance. I thought it was really cool. And now, not as much. I don't. So think what is it? What now, is it
0: that makes it less cool?
1: Honestly, i like I say, I'm I'm older, and a lot of his stuff just sounds so self-important and pompous and just about how look look at how i understand the world in ways no one else does and it's like dude you're you're quoting people who are a lot smarter than you were who came before and people have had these insights before and you're acting like it's some kind of you're you are the revelation and you are the second coming it just irrit- i found it more irritating and uh I, I, the movie felt longer this time. It's not a short movie. It's like two hours, 20 minutes, but... Uh, uh, I still think it's well done. I'm still, again, Val Kilmer's performance is supernatural. A lot of the performances are really good. But I didn't like it as much. It didn't hold up as well for me. How about you? you th-
0: well, you- that major complaint really seems to be more about Morrison himself than the movie. I
1: guess. It's maybe more of the dialogue and such, yeah. Okay. and And the rest of just... We've seen a lot of the, oh, ro- look, rock and roll success destroys you with drugs and alcohol. We've seen that a lot.
0: Well, so, I, I mean, you did ask. Um, I re- When I came out of the film, I remember being blown away. Um, I think the only reason I might not have been blown away this time is I'd already seen it. Right. So the thing, the, the and it's Kilmer. Kilmer kills it. Yeah, I, I I like him. I liked him anyway before he became ridiculously hard to work with. Um, but man, you look at something. You look at Willow, and yes, <laughs> or you know, Real Genius, a film that I really like. Um, and it's just like maybe he can't bring that to every part, but what he brought to this part was nuts. And it's worth seeing just for him. It really yeah. is. And if you like Doors music, you can't tell the difference. It is not like last week at all where it's like, yeah, it's not Johnny Cash. Um, It is. The band didn't know. (laughs) They didn't know. Um, It is a shame that we don't see more of the band because it's not The Doors. It's a movie about Morrison and more or less about Pam. You know, I kind of feel like in a way um, Stone was passing judgment because we don't see the better parts of Morrison. And the thing is is that we don't see rock and roll destroy Morrison. Morrison destroys himself. Because the whole like we don't see anything in the film that suggests that popularity was just going to his head. He didn't even seem to notice. Like half the he just wandered around, even when they're at their peak, he's just wandering around shopping in places and just like, yeah, whatever. Um there's there's scenes where the crowd is being held back from him, but he's not really even reacting to it. Um, I think the film is worth seeing, but I think it's also worth being a starting off point. If you don't know the Doors music, if that time period interests you, by all means, start looking at other stuff, because the Doors is not, they were not the typical band of their era. Because So we're talking 66, so the Beatles are still at, pretty much at their peak. Uh, the Rolling Stones, that kind of music, and the Doors are not the same thing. Mm. And when you watch some of their live concerts, and there's at least one on YouTube... There's a lot of songs where they're like 15 minutes long and it is this improvisational stuff, which admittedly at some points gets really annoying, mm. but it's, it, there's a lot of jazz influence. There's a lot of, I think, beat po- poetry influence. And I think the film does a really good job at giving you an introduction saying here, if you're interested in this, take a look now, go look at other stuff. It mm. doesn't tell you to go look, but you'll want
1: to. So it sounds like it held up for you.
0: I think it does. I, I, again... We don't learn as much as we could, but yeah, I think it helped. Out. But we have business to we take do. care of, the, the least of which is, how do people get in touch with us? Well, we have an email address. You probably didn't know that. No, you probably did. Us at MaxMikeMovies.com, which is where you can send us your comments, your suggestions, your free tickets to Doors concerts, which <laughs> can't use. Um, we also can uh, take comments or uh, answers to our poll question there, which this week is... Is there an actor whose presence basically guarantees you will not be seeing that film? Or conversely, is it an actor out there that says, yes, I must see that film regardless of subject matter? Uh, So you can comment through our website as well, uh, which is how most people are doing it. That is, of course, MaxMikeMovies.com, where we also happen to have, by pure coincidence, every single episode of Max and I going blah, 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 blah for the last 139 episodes plus specials. Mm Mm-hmm. Leave comments there, listen to our episodes, listen to them again, they might have changed. Uh, You can find us on social media, such as uh, Facebook and Twitter. You can find us on the podcast app of your choice, which you know how to do that. Um, Otherwise, um, that's where we are right now, except Mm -hmm. for the big question that's on everybody's mind. What are we going to watch next week, Max?
1: Next week, we're going to go with another rock star. Yeah! Although well, sort of. Not exactly a rock star of music, but a rock star of jurisprudence. Woo! Ah and uh, mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, actually we're going on this movie. It sounds really hot. It's called On the Basis of Sex. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Who's, yeah. See, uh, who's on, it I, about? I don't know. Hang on, I gotta read the description. It's, oh, oh boy, a porno. We're gonna watch oh, a porno. It's well <laughs> it's it's actually about Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
0: We're Wait, we're gonna watch a porno with Ruth Bader Ginsburg hang in on, it?
1: That can't be right. Hang on. No, I, no, I don't
0: want to watch a porno. No, with this Ruth is the Bader. bio. The I'm bio- not gonna watch a <laughs> porno with
1: Ruth Bader Ginsburg okay, in it. It's <laughs> okay. It's okay. You don't have to. No one's gonna make uh, you. Okay. Yeah, no, we're going to watch. Yeah, this is not. This isn't a musician, but she, RBG was definitely a rock star, and this is the biopic about her life and uh, her working in the uh, law industry and making her way all the way up to the Supreme Court. It's on the basis I mean, of sex
0: from from when she was a lowly sex worker yeah. until she was
1: sorry no um, there's going to be porn in this there, I just know it it's going to be there, old lady porn and I don't want to watch that there's not going to be porn I'm almost sure of it
0: tune in next week to find out if Max is
1: lying <laughs> <laughs>